Hey, Anna here. Just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded before the quarantine. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, Anna Victoria here, and I'm so excited for you to join me on my podcast, Your Best Life. I'm the CEO and founder of the FitBody app, a fitness influencer, and a personal trainer. Every week, I'm going to have a special guest that will share their unique experience and unique story to share how they learned how to live their best life, even if they're still working on it since we are all a work in progress. I can't wait to help you learn how to create your best life. Welcome back to Your Best Life Podcast. I'm Anna Victoria, and I have my husband, Luca, here with me to chat about today's episode. Hi, guys. (laughs) Today, I have Adam Bornstein on as my guest, who is a New York Times bestselling author, researcher, and an award-winning fitness and nutrition editor. He is the founder and CEO of Born Fitness, an online fitness and nutrition coaching platform and pen name consulting agency that specializes in advising and branding services. He's also the chief nutrition officer at Ladder, a supplement and nutrition company founded by LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger. So we are going to dive into the supplement industry. And I feel like this is such an important topic to talk about because there's so many misconceptions. Um, There's so much that like, I don't want to say that it's necessarily dangerous, but it's just really misleading. Yeah. And I Adam is the perfect person to do this with. He's yeah. such a knowledgeable person and he's so transparent. You know, he, he would tell you just like it is. And I think he's such a nice guy. He was skeptical of the supplement industry and he didn't get into it for so long because of that. I would much rather have someone say, hey, I didn't like the supplement industry who is now in it because they know what's wrong with it and he's now in it because he wants to fix it and to help rather than someone's like, oh, supplements are amazing and the answer to everything. Like, that's not true. That's disingenuous and, you know, probably just self-serving. So we are going to dive into the nitty gritty of talking about protein shakes, pre-workouts, various supplements, what's good, bad, what you should be using, what you shouldn't be using, and a lot more. So here is my interview with Adam Bornstein. Hi, Adam. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Nana? <laughs> great. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, do you want to start by sharing a bit about who you are and what your background is? I'd prefer not to, but yes, <laughs> I, I can. if I am obligated, I will. Yes, you uh, are. <laughs> so I am the chief nutrition officer and chief content officer at Ladder, uh, which is a sports nutrition company that specializes in sports supplements as well. And our job is to basically just help make people healthier through better information Uh, more clarity in this health and fitness space. And then ultimately, if someone wants to supplement with products, uh, give them things that they can trust and that actually work. The supplement industry is one of those where uh, I think for almost two decades, I kind of resisted the lure of it because it was one of those things where I believe it should help people, but it's done wrong. And until I was able to figure out how I could work with the right people to do it the right way, Uh, I didn't want to touch it. And then once I realized that there was a way that we could do this in a way where people could feel good about it, uh, I was all in. Yeah, that's interesting. So what? Let, why weren't you like keen on supplements to begin with? Yeah, I think the biggest issue is is what you would imagine. And there's, a, there's an issue with both safety and quality control and ultimately the effectiveness of the products. So not that many supplements work, but some of them do. Yeah. 
So first and foremost, most people aren't willing to invest in creating the type of products that are going to make a real difference when someone takes it, whether they're trying to lose weight or build muscle or just be a little bit healthier. They either stay away from the ingredients that will actually make a difference because they're too expensive. Right. Or they put such a small dose of the amount because the consumer isn't educated enough mm -hmm. that it's almost like this uh, a social consciousness issue. Like, are you okay? Like, if you're, I like to say, if you're thirsty, mm -hmm. you'll take a drink of water. But if you just had a little drop of water, you wouldn't feel hydrated because you can recognize when your body is still thirsty. But with supplements, you don't know if you're thirsty or not. So it's very, very easy to deceive people. And I just didn't want to be a part of that. So you got to have the right ingredients and the right dose to actually give them the benefit that they want so that you don't deceive people. And then ultimately, there's a, there's a safety issue mm -hmm. where uh, there's this misconception that supplements aren't regulated by the FDA. They mm -hmm. are. But the regulation is very light. So much so that the FDA, even their bylaws, says that they expect companies to self-regulate. So if there's something wrong in the production process, we expect you to go to the FDA and tell them, like, let me know that there's something that shouldn't be there, or you need a third party to blow the whistle mm -hmm. on you. And for me, that's just, that leaves a lot up to question because I could go home tonight, create something in my basement, put it up on Amazon, and there is nothing to stop me right. or to stop anyone from buying and just believing that what is in there is on the label. So mm -hmm. then there's that safety component and making sure that you're willing to invest in a third party verifying that the labels are safe and there's nothing dangerous. The best one out there is NSF certified for sport. So that was all three of those things. You kind of need all three of them. Right. You need to make sure that you're putting in the right ingredients. You need to make sure that it's in the right amount. And you need to make sure that it's safe because if someone's putting something in their mouth, yeah, they should feel that it's like, that it's good for them and it's okay. It's not going to be a risk. And when kind of the stars aligned and, and ladder brought together the idea of like, we're willing to do this the right way. We're willing to be patient. I was like, okay, supplements are not inherently bad. They just have to be done the right way. Right. And for those that don't know, two of the founders of Ladder are Arnold Schwarzenegger and LeBron James. Couple no names. <laughs> yeah. You know, no big deal. Yeah. But, and so you can speak to this more, but, you know, um, Ladder was also born out of LeBron needing a supplement that would assist him in performing the best that he possibly could, right? And so I believe his trainer is also a part of the team and helping with that side of formulating. Is that correct? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's funny because this is one of those businesses that were uh, really formed out of like scratching your own itch. And it was mm -hmm. LeBron's itch that you go back to the 2014 NBA Finals. He cramps up in the NBA Finals. It was, it was not a good look for him. And he's like, as you can imagine, right. the best competitors, they're <laughs> just like, I need to get better. And here you have the guy who's arguably the best in the NBA, the best of all time to some people. And, you know, his task to his trainer, Mike Mancius, in the offseason was, we need to step it up. We need to step up our training. We need to step up our nutrition. And I want to start looking into supplementation because up until that point, he had never taken any supplements. And this even, he hasn't even taken caffeine. He wouldn't drink coffee. Wow. Yeah, LeBron's like straight cyborg. Oh my God. But it's like, you know what? I got to that point, to the finals. I just, I don't want to lose. I, I like leave no stone unturned. Mike essentially came back to LeBron was like, listen, there's nothing in the supplement industry that we feel that we can trust from a safety standpoint. These guys are drug tested or right. that will give you the results. And uh, LeBron and Arnold are friends. And Arnold kind of just validated that same thing, that he'd have issues in the supplement industry as well, had worked with some bad players. And it was like, just go ahead and create something. So I was originally brought in to just help formulate stuff for LeBron. And it was just like, let's create it for LeBron. Let's see if he likes it. Let's see if there's a benefit for him. And then you fast forward a couple of years and the question was like, all right, if this is solving a problem that LeBron has, 
from taking things that can help elevate your pro- uh, your performance, help you bounce back, recover better, mm-hmm. and that are that are safe. That you know, essentially, he's getting tested, so you know that what is in the product is actually right. in it. Should we make this available to everyone else? And that's like that exciting moment where you don't have to be a LeBron to still want to take things that make you healthier, make you feel better, help you recover a little better, and that you can feel good about taking without having to worry if there's something unsafe lurking in the product. Right. And to share a bit about my experience with the supplement industry. So I started my fitness journey 2013, 2012, 2013. And I started taking protein shakes. I knew that, you know, protein is such an important part of right. recovery. The most just overall. Yeah, no, it literally is the most important thing. So when, when girls tell me like, oh, I'm not seeing progress. I'm not recovering. I'm not you know, um, seeing any like muscle uh, improvement, muscle gain. And I asked them like, well, what about your protein? And this has nothing to do with shakes, by the way. This right. is just protein as a macronutrient, whether you get it from whole foods, which you should be, that should yep. be the the goal, or if you're also supplementing. But when they say like, no, I'm getting maybe 50 grams, people are so fixated on the RDA recommendation, right. which is like, you guys, this is for people that it's like the bare minimum for someone that is not exercising and literally just enough to exist as a human being, like not even taking into consideration um, activity level and just so many other factors. Yeah, I describe RDAs as like, if you don't want to go to the hospital for a nutrient yeah, deficiency, right. this is what you should get. Right. But for some reason, people, I think that there's a lot of um, misconceptions around protein. People think that like too much is going to be like harmful to you. And absolutely, there are upper levels for everything. But if you are strength training, typically, I would say the minimum is 0.8 grams per pound that you weigh. Would you agree on that? Or would you say even more than that? No, I think that's a great range. So anywhere from like 0.6 to one gram of what I like to say is like your goal body weight. Mm -hmm. Because for a lot of people, I'd say eat for the body you want, not necessarily for the body that you have. Right. So you aim towards that. And what people need to realize about protein, it works with the strength training, but every single cell in your body, protein is the building block. So when you think about your hair, your skin, your nails, the, the aging of your cells, Protein is fundamental to all of it. So I think people get this idea of like protein, oh, it's going to make me bulky. Mm-hmm. But no, like bulk is about like one, how you train it to, how many calories you right. take in. Right. No matter what macronutrient, no matter if you what. eat in a surplus, you can bulk from carbs, from fats, or from protein. Right. And it's not macronutrient specific. And the beauty of protein is actually the hardest macronutrient to turn into fat. It is most likely to be used either to help you build muscle, to help you burn fat, to give your cells what they need to regenerate, or... It's excreted. Now, it doesn't mean that protein can't be turned into fat. It's just the most difficult. So that fear, I'm always like, listen, if you're going to overeat anything, and that's not to say to overeat, but if you're going to overeat anything, start with the protein. Right. And it also keeps you fuller longer. Yes. You know, so it's just so important for your day to day, like aside from muscle building, if you don't want to constantly be in, be in hunger cycles, because if you're eating carbs, like that's probably going to put you in that loop of not feeling satiated and always feeling like you need to eat something else. But protein will really help with that satiety, right? Right. It is. So it's just think about it. It is a harder molecule to break mm-hmm. down. So it's the more likely to fill you up. Hunger is actually, uh, it's it's not a physical state, really. It's a, it's a recognition of you have this satiety center in your stomach that sends a signal up to your brain that's saying, I'm full. And because protein is so difficult to break down these big molecules, it will fill up that space quicker, send that signal up to your brain. And that's why a little bit of protein can go such a long way because it inherently helps you eat less because you're not desiring as much. Whereas like we've all been there where 
I know I love pasta. I know you love <laughs> right. pasta. Yes. You have that pasta and it's delicious. But yeah. then you're like, I ah, don't mind if I have another plate. Right. Don't mind if I have another plate. I'm like, just throw a meatball or two in there and you'll <laughs> yes. eat a lot less. Yeah. Um, okay. So aside from that, I do want to make it very clear that, you know, supplements are not required. You know, they are purely, they should just supplement your diet, you know. I 100% and, agree. Um, so when I, you know, I did start um, having protein shakes early on in my journey. I started with pre-workout. Um, but as I got, I went through my journey and especially with my trying to conceive an infertility journey, I really kind of took a step back and was like, okay, what am I putting in my body? And the pre, I, I, I hate to say this, cause I love pre-workout. And, um, but the one that I was having was just so chemical, <laughs> you know, like there's nothing natural in there. And the dose that you're getting is like, I don't know, maybe five espressos, you know, it's like, like legal speed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it did help my workout so much, but at what cost, you know? And so I started looking into, um, you know, other supplement companies and what's out there and what the ingredients are. And people have always asked me like, what, what brand do you recommend? And up to now, I've always just been like, uh, I'm not affiliated with any company. Like I hate giving people a dead end answer. Like right. I don't, I don't want to want to, I don't just want to say, sorry, I don't have anything to recommend. So like I have up to now been like, oh, well, this is what I'm using, but I'm not affiliated. Luca has always been the one that's just, you know, in charge of ordering the protein until I came across Ladder and I started looking into them and I met, you know, you, Adam, and we really got to talking about um, the quality, the sourcing, the testing that goes into the products. So for those of you that don't know, I am now partnered with Ladder and I'm so happy that I finally have a company that I can stand behind and say, I wholeheartedly um, recommend this. I am confident in taking it for myself. I'm pregnant now, you know, like I'm right. I'm confident that these products are safe for me in pregnancy. And really, guys, like if it's good enough for LeBron, <laughs> I feel like it's good enough for pretty much everyone. Um, but yeah, so one thing that I did all, always struggle with in terms of recommending any um, particular brand is the FDA limited um, kind of involvement. And right. when I did share this on my stories the other day about it, and I, I got actually some people um, feedback that, like you said, there is some level of FDA right. involvement. It is just so kind of like bare minimum. And from what I've heard is as far as like the companies that they're in charge of kind of their own testing um, or like the safety of their products, they kind of wait for something to happen to really change something, right? That would be accurate, unfortunately. Right, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so with Ladder, you guys test every single batch. Every single batch. And by a third party. We test it mm -hmm. internally. So people have to realize like we have a multi-step process where we'll get our raw materials. We'll throw it into quarantine. Because sometimes when things get shipped to you uh, from other areas, like we take a lot of pride in our sourcing to make yeah. sure that we don't get it from bad areas. But hey, when you're transporting from anywhere, even if it's domestically, right. you want to make sure nothing's growing in there. So we put it into quarantine and then we will do an analysis to make sure that the raw ingredients are good. Then we'll blend it. We'll analyze again. We'll put it all together and then we will analyze it again. And after it comes off the line, we ship it off to NSF. And what NSF will do is it looks to make sure there's no banned substances, no unknown substances, no dangerous toxins or metals. Mm -hmm. And to ensure that like what we claim is on the label is on the label. Right. And you have to realize that less than 1% of all supplement companies will get NSF certified for sport because I, I don't want to say it, but I would like to believe that many of them probably wouldn't pass those testings, especially the toxins and metals. You can have very healthy ingredients that are sourced from the wrong place, right. like plant proteins that might be high in arsenic or lead. So 
It's a good source of protein, but again, at what cost? What are you putting in your body along with that where we want to make sure that everyone has peace of mind? And then also, it's expensive. Yeah. Like it, it is it is very, very expensive, especially to do every single batch that no one has to worry about it. But I think that if you're in really the health space, which is what you are, uh, as you said, a supplement should be a supplement. The majority of what you get in your nutrition should come from whole foods. Right. Supplements are to fill the gaps or to give you an option of convenience. Because in real life, we don't always have the option of cooking a meal or maybe we're on the road. And it is important to have those options that don't derail your whole day. Right. How often do people make one bad decision and it leads to 10 bad decisions? So having, whether it's a protein supplement or a green supplement, something that can almost like keep you on track was so important to us, but doing it in a way where you should have complete peace of mind right. that what you are putting in your body is good for you. And that's the best thing you could do for someone. And if you're going to do that, you should certify, you should test, you should make sure that it's quality because like that's the responsibility. It is my responsibility to ensure that ladder products are safe for people. And I, I think the hope is that by setting that as our standard and by having people like LeBron and Arnold say like, this is the way that it should be, that we can be a little bit disruptive in the industry and that that becomes the standard for all companies because getting the FDA to change and have deeper regulations it's a government process. It's going to take time. I've got no idea what the FDA must go through because they have to govern so much. Mm -hmm. So I'm cognizant of like, it, it's easy to criticize, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do anything about it. So right. if supplement companies can take more accountability for their own process, mm -hmm. you don't have to wait on the FDA. You can just do right by the people. Right, right. Yeah. And to go back to what you said about like the labels. So, um, <laughs> like the fact that companies can put something on the label and that's not what's actually in there is scary. It's terrifying. Anything. Yeah. Literally anything. There is nothing to stop you. Because again, there, there's no process. You put it on the label and you see it all the time really with protein companies that they'll say there's 20 grams of protein in there. Right. And there's like seven grams. Right. Or even less. There, there was a company years ago called uh, One World Way that legitimately smelled like maple syrup. And it was because mm -hmm. it was maple syrup oh and like nothing else in there. And they claimed like 26 to 30 grams of protein. There was like three or four grams mm. of protein. It was a huge issue, oh but my gosh. that's, it's, it's a problem. And also like fillers are a thing, right? With yep. putting fillers and products. So what is that? I mean, it, the filler can take the, any type of way where one is artificial ingredients or sometimes people will do something that's called, for instance, like protein spiking. Mm. Well, they will put inactive amounts of protein. So incomplete proteins just to inflate the level of protein, because when you do a protein analysis, it looks at the total amount of amino acids because proteins are made up mm -hmm. of amino acids, but only nine of them are essential. So if you just can throw a bunch of incomplete proteins into a protein product, you can claim that there's more protein that's in there, or you can put artificial fillers. And a big thing for us is no artificial fillers, no artificial sweeteners, no artificial mm -hmm. colors. We got a lot of people in the in our office even with a lot of allergies. And it's like, for me, it's like, you got to be able to look at those people and be like, I want you to be able to take- right. These products, even if there's a color to our to our food, it's because to our supplements, it's from a natural food. So if like it's red, it comes from beetroot. Right. I have a question regarding um, so the actual absorption of protein. Like when a company says that there's 20 grams of protein in one scoop, but does your body absorb all of that 20 grams? So my question is, is it a matter of sourcing and like quality? Or is it something else that maybe could even be about like their their gut health or something like that? Yeah, there, there are a couple parts to that answer. So one, it starts with how do your supplement companies even label? So for ladder, we label the amount of digestible Got it. protein. Okay. 
So a great example is our, our whey protein is a combination of milk protein isolate and whey protein isolate. And as a raw amount of protein, there's about 31 grams of protein. But if you look on the back of the label, it only says 26. And that's because the whey protein that we use, which is the whey protein isolate, milk protein isolate, is 90% protein by weight, which is a very high percent protein. But we don't want you to think you're taking in 31 if you're actually only going to digest about 26. So it starts with how is it labeling? And we want to label with complete transparency to people. Next is going to be that form of protein. So going back to that exact same example, a whey protein concentrate is not necessarily bad, but again, this becomes a regulation. Mm. A whey protein concentrate can be anywhere from 30% to 80% pure protein, and they don't have to tell you what it is. So a label could say you have 20 grams of, of whey protein, and if you look, it's whey protein concentrate, it is very, very possible there's only seven grams of protein in there because they only got a 30% right. uh, whey protein concentrate. So it's a lot cheaper for them, obviously, to pay for the 30%. They can charge you the exact same amount. And you're wondering, why am I not changing this? Because they just haven't gone to where a whey protein isolate, which is what we use in ladder, has mm -hmm. to be 90%. You cannot use that label unless you have 90% above pure protein. So the secondary amount is like, where is the sourcing? Yeah. And then that tertiary, that third step again, it is going to be a digestive aspect. Do you have issues breaking it down? Do you have, depending on the source, for instance, plant proteins, a little bit more difficult. Do you have digestive enzymes to help with that? Uh, is your digestive tract necessarily not functioning the way you want? Do you need potentially probiotics mm -hmm. to help make sure that you absorb? So it could be everything from what are you putting it in? Where is it coming from? Or what does it say on the label? As well as like, is your body essentially set up to absorb? I would say in general, most people will, will absorb protein if it's sourced well, mm -hmm. fairly well but the type of protein might determine if you need additional help in terms of the digestion of it. And then you get down to like, well, how much can you digest? And we mm -hmm. can digest much more than people think. Right. There's just a specific amount that will determine how much can be going, go towards muscle building alone. Got it. So, and that's a really great point because I've seen this discussion be brought up a lot um, lately in terms of how much protein one person can digest in one meal. And so, um, you know, for example, like I used to eat six meals a day. Like when I first started my journey, that was like Been the there. standard, yeah. like, Been oh, there. that's, that is the recommendation, right. you know, eat five to six times a day. You know, now we know that that's no longer essential, you know, as far as like seeing progress, it really just comes down to a caloric deficit if you are wanting to see actual fat loss progress. Um, but how about the protein distribution throughout the day? What is the ideal amount does it vary on the person and is there an upper limit yeah it'll definitely vary on the person their goal mm -hmm. their body size in general i would say shoot for anywhere from like 20 to 40 grams of protein the upper limit's much higher than people think yep. now muscle protein synthesis so the ability to turn over protein into muscle will be maximized around 30 grams but that doesn't mean you can only eat 30 grams as we talked about earlier there are so many benefits to protein from a cellular level, from hair, skin, mm -hmm. nails, uh, There's and keeping you full, like you said. Yes. So if you were to eat 40, 50, 60, there's research showing upwards of 80 grams of protein can still be digested and utilized for a variety of benefits. Not to mention, it's why I said, if you want to overeat on any macronutrient, mm -hmm. it's protein because one, it's harder to store as fat, but two, it's the most metabolically active. So people who are interested in fat loss about 30% of the protein that you eat 
is going to be burned up during the metabolic the process. Thermic effective right. food. Yeah. Right. So the TEF, thermic yeah. effective food, every single food has a metabolic burn that's associated with it. Protein is about 30%. Mm-hmm. Then you have carbohydrates, then you have fats. But carbs and fats are both less than 8%. So it is a huge difference. So if you're going to eat a little bit more, if it's keeping you fuller and you're burning more calories in the process, it only makes sense to have it. But yeah, about 20 to 40 grams is a good range for almost anyone. Uh, upper limits are probably going to be around 80 grams or so. Most people are, that's that's eating a lot. Yeah, I mean, I could not imagine. Um, I want to pivot a bit and talk about plant-based protein. So I okay. feel like we've been talking about whey a lot. And I know I have a lot of girls in my community that are plant-based. Yep. Um, one of my main questions is that what I heard is that plant-based protein is not as, I don't know if bioavailable is the proper word, but like if you are um, drinking 25 grams of plant-based protein and 25 grams of whey protein, your body is not going to digest an equal 25 grams. Is that true or does it depend on sourcing? Yeah, so uh, it's both. So it's going to depend on sourcing, but inherently plant-based protein is not going to be as high a quality okay. of a protein source as whey, and that's just because of its composition. Mm-hmm. So again, we talked about the percent of protein by which it's pure. Nothing's 100% pure protein. You can get to it by essentially manufacturing it. Right. But plant bases or plant sources of protein are going to have other macro and micronutrients right. in it. So inherently, you're going to get, say, a pea protein might be 80 to 85% pure protein. So it doesn't mean that it's inferior to whey. Mm-hmm. It just means that if you want the same benefits, you have to take a little bit more. And, and that's it. And so it's just a matter of just equating it. Or you have to make sure that you uh, essentially amplify it because this all, again, comes down to the amino acids. Whey protein is a little bit higher in an amino acid that's known as leucine. Mm-hmm. And then you want to make sure that you get enough leucine in your plant-based protein. And that threshold is right around 2.5 grams. It's something that was really important for us when we were creating Ladder's plant-based protein mm-hmm. was to make sure that we had enough leucine. But more importantly, that you have all of the essential amino acids. So the biggest knock on plant-based proteins are that many of them are incomplete. And this is very, very important because if you take an incomplete protein, your body is not able to take advantage of all of the benefits, everything we've been talking about from fat loss to muscle building to recovery to hair, skin, nails. You need those complete proteins because if you want to think about it this way, when you eat protein, your body starts digesting and breaking it down and stripping it away into what it is, which is amino acids. And there are nine essential ones that you must get from your diet. You cannot, your body cannot make it on their own. So if you eat an incomplete protein, say it only has three of the nine amino acids, they get dropped into what's an amino acid pool. And it's basically like a big hangout for amino acids. They're just like hanging out there and they're waiting to be pulled into action. Like if you need to build muscle, it's like, I need leucine. If you want to work on your hair, skin, and nails, they're taking uh, like proline, which is another amino acid. But like you need all nine present in order to release them to do their work. So if you eat an incomplete plant-based protein, and you don't either get those other essential amino acids, either through another food source or by just by making sure you have a complete protein, after about four to six hours, that amino acid pool flushes itself out. So you ate that protein and it wasn't mean you weren't devoid of benefits, it still might've filled you up. But in terms of turning those amino acids and unleashing all of their benefits, you don't get them. So the biggest concern with plant-based is just make sure it's complete. And you have a lot like brown rice protein, really popular source, Incomplete protein, hemp protein, incomplete protein. So you start seeing 
all these different very popular plant-based protein sources that are incomplete and you need either work to make sure they're complete or just get yourself a plant-based protein that is complete. Right. So that actually was going to be my next question. I feel like there's many different sources of plant-based protein. Like you said, there's hemp, there's pea. Um, is there one that is superior or does it, can you have a hemp or a pea protein, for example, and just supplement with those missing amino acids? Yeah. So it's, so it's both. So the two best are probably going to be pea protein and soy, but some people have concern about soy for phytoestrogen reasons. Uh, I always say poisons in the dose. So it's not necessarily something that you have to avoid, but it is something that you might want to limit, whereas pea doesn't necessarily have those same limitations. So pea and soy are going to have a higher protein digestibility. They're going to have all the amino acids. It's going to be higher in leucine. It kind of like pea is the closest thing you have to almost mimicking whey. It's like the plant-based version of, of whey. But if you don't want to do that, it's very easy to just complement it. So like even if you're thinking in terms of whole food sources and you want to make sure and you're following mm-hmm. a plant-based life or you're, let's even say you're vegan yeah, and you want to make sure you get uh, a complete protein, uh, you can combine rice with beans and mm-hmm. those right. two combined will give you all the amino acids, but rice alone or beans alone will create two incomplete sources. Uh, combining them will do it. Or you can make sure, especially if you're vegan or vegetarian, you can look for vegan sources of those amino acids if you're trying to almost like Frankenstein your own supplement (laughs) and you can do it that way. But everything we know about supplementation should be borrowed from what we know about real food. Right. So even when we formulate the, our supplements at, you know, at Ladder, it's, it's thinking about like, what do we know from the supplement space? What does the research show? And what can we understand from food to understand how the human body works to take the best advantage of it? Because everything that we create at Ladder and the way that any supplement should be is you should look at it more as, as food mm-hmm. rather than a supplement. With the exception of uh, our pre-workout, which is still all naturally sourced, mm-hmm. but it's, it's different because of where you get those ingredients from that will give you a boost. We want it to be natural. Like even our caffeine, that comes from green tea. Our greens product, it's spirulina, it's an algae, it's broccoli seed extract, it's spinach. If you think about the way that the body was designed, it's to absorb nutrients from whole foods. So even the supplements that you take, you want to make sure that they come from whole foods because then you know that it's more most likely to work with the way that your body was designed. Right. And I actually, um, I love that you brought up pre-workout because I did want to chat about it because that was kind of like, it was my my partner in crime with my workouts early on. Like, yeah, I just, and I honestly, I really, I I don't want to say I was addicted to it, but I was just, it was almost a placebo effect to where like I needed it. Like I needed to take it regardless of what it was doing. I needed to take it. Also, I mean, you do build a tolerance when you take caffeine, right? Without a doubt. So, you know, the one that I was saying, as I mentioned, um, very chemical, (laughs) you know, based, um, that company actually reached out to me to sponsor me recently. And I really like, you know, I, and I talked to Luke about it. I was like, hey, like, I can't in, in good conscience, like, stand behind this. Right. What if I know that I stopped taking this because of my fertility journey? Like, I can't say like, yeah, I recommend this, you know? So I, I did pass on that opportunity. It was one of the biggest supplement companies in the United States. That's why I appreciate you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then what I did start doing is I started having just an espresso, a shot of espresso. I, I'm not a coffee drinker, um, but my husband is Italian, you know, and I right. did when we were living in Italy, I did start having espresso a bit. I would more. hope so. <laughs> right, right. When, when in Rome. I mean, come on. Yes, yeah. literally. Um, and so, but then, 
then because again of my fertility journey, I just really wanted to try to kind of like um, just kind of, uh, I don't want to say the word detox because I'm not literally detoxing, but just kind of like stop taking anything, right. you know. Um, you can detox without using a detox tea. Or, right, yeah, exactly. You were, no, you were yes. doing your own self detox. Yes. Yeah. And it really was hard. Like those first workouts of like, like I said, it was a placebo effect. It's just the fact that I wasn't taking anything. It was like, I'm going to have a horrible workout, you know, right. and putting yourself in that mindset, you're going to have a horrible workout, you know, but I really did get to a point where I was like, okay, I'm actually now I'm having great workouts without it, but there still are some days, you know, like this morning, for example, I was, <laughs> you know, like it was kind of hard getting up. And so, um, and for my workouts, so you guys have a pre-workout. Yep. Uh, product and it is all natural, right? Yes. So um, can you talk a bit about like what to look for in pre-workouts and certain things to avoid? Definitely. Our pre-workout is the most popular out of all the products. And I think it's more because it's it's different than what you see in the pre-workout space, which again, it's like, it's not all of this vague stuff or super high amounts of stimulants. What a lot of people know, but almost don't think about yeah. is that you do build up tolerance to caffeine. And caffeine has a huge benefit to your body. Caffeine is a, is yeah. a, is a great legal drug of choice <laughs> right. as long as you don't abuse it. Yes. And what most people don't realize in the science package stuff is the best way to get more benefits out of caffeine is to use less of it. Because there are receptors in your body that after a little bit of while, and let's be honest, most people who are probably taking pre-workout are getting caffeine somewhere else in their day. While you might be the exception to the universe rule of people who enjoy coffee, <laughs> I know. most of the universe enjoys coffee right. or yeah. they drink tea right. or there are other stimulants. And if you're taking hundreds of milligrams with your pre-workout and then getting in 50 to 100 in other places, that adds up to the point that you might get that initial buzz, then it wears off or you get that crash or you right. need more to get that same impact. And at some point, the performance benefits of fighting off fatigue, of improving strength, completely disappear. So you're still getting your initial buzz, but the reason you take it is to help your workout be better. And the amount of caffeine that gives you almost the, dulls the perception of fatigue, which is the one that's most interesting to me because there are other ways to get more energy without having to like basically just burn yourself out or build up tolerance is about hundred milligrams. So I wanted to start there when we were formulating our pre-workout, it's like, let's give the lowest possible dose because I'm cognizant, I'm aware people are going to be getting caffeine other places in their diet. And the last thing I want to do is give them a supplement that builds up that tolerance quicker or burns out that receptor. Everyone knows that pre-workout feeling of like you take it and it's great for like four weeks and then like you just kind of stop feeling it or you take it and you kind of feel like trash afterwards. And yeah. something that's designed to give you, I always said like I wanted a pre-work to make you feel limitless. It should be a constant stream of energy. It should give you like, again, you're not feeling fatigued. You feel fresh. You feel focused. That's the way that we wanted to do it. So it meant using less caffeine. So I would say look for less caffeine. In order to get that NSF certified for, for sports certification we talked about, there needs to be less than 150 milligrams or else you can't do it. So that even gives you an idea right there of these, these thresholds. So we only have 100 milligrams. So look for 100, 150, or even less if you're not used to taking caffeine. Another supplement that will then enhance the effectiveness of caffeine, and you're going to see this probably over the next two to three years, it's going to be most things, it's theanine. Theanine is one of these amino acids we were talking about before, but it was almost this happy accident that theanine is derived from green tea, and uh, uh, our, our caffeine comes from green tea, but this could you could do a synthetic caffeine with uh, theanine. What it does is it balances out the effects of caffeine so you don't get that jitteriness. You don't get the crash. So a lot of the negative effects that people oftentimes feel from caffeine can be mitigated 
by combining with theanines that it feels like your caffeine will just like last a little bit longer and take the edge off of it. Right. And then beta alanine is another one, which just gives you more endurance. People think about lactic acid, basically uh, the toxins that build up in your muscles that make them break down. What beta alanine does is essentially flush out those toxins so that you can go harder for longer. And the third one, which has a lot of misconceptions that I would look for in a product is creatine. There's a lot of misunderstanding, but creatine, yeah. bar none, is the most <laughs> studied supplement that we have in the performance category. And what's so exciting about creatine is that, and our science advisor, uh, Abby Smith-Ryan, can back this up, the research of creatine in terms of what it does for your brain health, what it's even doing a lot of research right now in postpartum depression, wow. are fascinating. It's essentially, it is an essential nutrient to the way that we function. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of misconceptions of the dangers of it, and they're just not there. It helps with performance, and it has a host of other health benefits that to me, make it one of those supplements that are just exciting for almost anyone. Yeah. Well, and so I'm happy you brought creatine up because I do feel like there is uh, kind of some fear around creatine in Definitely. the industry. Women think that it, like people refer to it as like a bulking supplement for right. some reason. So what is the reason behind that? And then just to add a little bit of controversy into the conversation, um, I recently saw a company come out with their quote unquote lean creatine. Mm. And if that is even possible or if yeah. that's just a marketing ploy. So first- Definitely just marketing, yeah. but it's, I'm glad you asked this because it's really, yeah. we're, we're answering the same problem within two. So the mm -hmm. fear about creatine is this idea that it bulks. And I would say it really originates back in the late 1990s. And this is when creatine kind of hit the market. And at the time in baseball, you had the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, home run bash of, I believe it was 1998. And as it turns out, there were some, uh, we'll just say illicit or illegal drugs being used. But at the mm -hmm. time, uh, Mark McGuire was saying that, and so was Sammy Sosa, that I'm just using creatine. So there was this like conception of like, where does the myth begin? Well, it starts at these like steroid fueled baseball players saying they're using something and there was a lot of fear and it was new to the market. 98 is a long time ago. Yeah. But when I said that we've got like 30, 40 years of research behind this now, it's incredibly safe. Now, the reason why people outside of that believe that it's bulking is that the part of the design of creatine is to pull water into the body. So people believe that they're going to be bloated. They think of this idea of edema. And edema is the water that will live, live basically between the muscle and the skin. So if you're feeling puffy or you're just having one of those days where you're retaining a lot of water, something like I've worked with women for 20 plus years, every single woman in the history of the universe knows. And, and men too, if you have too much salt, if you're traveling, everyone knows that feeling of feeling puffy. Yeah. And then the fear is that creatine is just going to add a bunch of water weight, make you puffy, and it's just all superficial. Mm -hmm. But that's not how it works. The beauty of creatine is it actually pulls water into your muscle cell, which is what you want. Your muscles are primarily water. Anything that pulls water into a muscle cell is going to hydrate the muscle. It's going to allow the nutrients to go to the muscle, and it's going to help create a healthier, stronger muscle. So you might, in the short term, see a slight fluctuation in weight, which usually regulates after just a couple of weeks, just because your muscles are being more hydrated, but it's not an aesthetic thing. And the weight is all temporary because it's just, it's essentially reteaching your muscles how to hold on water so that they can perform better. A dehydrated muscle is the number one reason why people will drop off from performance. If your muscles are dehydrated, they can't perform the way that they want. Right. So creatine inherently, and part of why it's so successful is that it uh -huh. helps keep your muscles more hydrated so they can perform better. But it's why people think they get this idea of, oh, water weight. But no, 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 it's mm -hmm. not like that. So the idea of lean creatine is then like, oh, well, it's not gonna, you're not gonna get any water weight. So I'm like, so you want to take away the benefit of creatine in the first place? You want to create a creatine, which one doesn't exist. That is all marketing. But, okay. So you wanna do something 
that's going to take away the primary benefit of creatine. Please tell me more. Tell me more of how we're going to market this. We're going to, it, it's now dehydrating. No, we're not going to do it. It's, <laughs> it's lean creatine. And and that's, but I get it because like, that's the hardest part about the supplement industry, right? Yeah. It is the marketing that goes around it that honestly manipulates people to the point that it's why I avoided the supplement industry for a while. I had people come to me for 10 plus year wanting to help out. And I just like, even in the way that we market, uh, market ladder, I don't want it to be something where we're just, selling false hopes and dreams. Right. Because what happens, and you know this better than anyone, the moment that you set an expectation of what you can do, whether you're taking a supplement or a product or making like four week promises, whatever it might be, and you don't achieve that, people don't blame the product. They blame themselves. And they're like, my body's broken. I hate who I am. I can never change. And it's the opposite of what we need to do in terms of like teaching people to love their bodies, no matter how they look. But more importantly, knowing that whatever they're able to do like they shouldn't feel that like if they can't accomplish some like certain concept in their brain, they be they should beat themselves up. And supplements that create that false expectation, create that false narrative that inherently make people dislike their own body or feel that they're broken. It's just there's another way. It sucks. It, it it legitimately sucks. And like it will sell them product. It will make people money. But at what cost? Right. And the cost has been a lot of people feeling bad about their bodies or a lot of people constantly just looking for the next magic pill. You don't see us selling fat loss products at Ladder because they don't work. I don't need right. to delude someone into telling them something just to make them feel better that's ultimately going to hurt them more. We can be better than that. Yeah, I love that you brought this up because, I mean, the supplement industry is what, a multi-billion dollar industry? Globally, it's a hundred billion some will yeah. estimate it's insane that's a that's a b that's a lot of a lot of dollars i can't wrap my head around that for products that are not required to see progress um i mean it's all in the marketing it's the false hopes that they sell to people whether it's a detox tea or fat burners or right. anything and like i'm not gonna lie in the beginning of my journey i was like huh what supplements do i need to take to accelerate fat burning you know i mean because it's just I was the, the message. same way yeah I, was the, I, I come from a science background i <laughs> yeah. see the same marketing I'm right. just like, it's marketing you know, it sounds really good right. I, mean, I know the literature says this but man does that sound great right we buy into it yeah and that's like something that i hope that people get away from this um episode is that like we're this big discussion around supplements is not saying hey you need to take this you need to take this you need to take this um it is purely an individual uh decision and based on your lifestyle and what your goals are but if you are going to be taking supplements you need to know what they're going to do for you and what they're not going to do for you and yeah so i i feel like i've i've had like a as much as i i appreciate them i've had like almost like you know pitchfork against the supplement industry for so long because like i just hate seeing people like you said which you said so perfect is they're not going to blame the supplement. They're going to blame themselves. Right. And they're going to think, well, I just can't lose weight. Like there's something I'm, I'm not able to, do, you know, and it, it really just comes down to an education piece, you know, and be, be ensuring that people understand what supplements are for, what they can and can't do. Um, yeah. So uh, before we wrap up, I feel like we've talked so much about supplements, but I want to talk about you for a minute. I don't so, know about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and so when we first met, it was it was through Ladder, but you like just consistently every time we met and I would ask a question, you know, like I really like vetted Ladder's ingredients and I sent you back questions like, hey, what about this? What about this? You know, and and as now we're partnered and I'm getting those questions from my customers, like you are just like spitting fire with all the like scientific background knowledge. And I was like, I asked you in one meeting, like, wait, what is your background? <laughs> Where did you come from? So how did you get started? Um, and like, how do you, yeah, like what what brought you here? 
Yeah. Uh, what brought me here is probably insatiable curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to know. I want to know things and I want to help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, what brought me here is like the very, very long story short is I had a variety of health issues, ailments that uh, a, a future was kind of cast for me, for myself, mm-hmm. that I was like, that doesn't sound good. I broke my back twice. I had a whole wow. bunch of, I've got a crazy autoimmune issue that uh, doctors can't figure out. But when people are like, you can't be active or you can't live the life that you want or you can't be healthy, I just wasn't willing to settle for that future. Yep. So I became very curious about the human body and how it works and nutrition and mm-hmm. physical fitness and kind of overcoming those own hurdles. I really wanted to help other people. The hope is that no one gets injured, the hope that no one gets sick, the hope that no one struggles with their diet. But I always say that like uh, fitness and health finds all of us at some point. And whether it's because you want to lose weight or whether it's because you have an injury or whether it's because you're sick or whether it's right. because you're a parent and you want to be able to play with your kids or you're a parent and you want to be old to be around your kids or you want to be your best for your employees or you want to level up physically so that like you feel that you've got that mental grit to take on whatever life has to have you like health is inherently important to all of us and i think that there is not one space in life where people are more confused i completely agree and in an age of, this is what the age of information and yeah. that almost um has turned into somewhat of a bad thing where there's too much information and Definitely. too much confusion, too much noise in the industry. Do you have any advice for how to cut through that and who yeah. to trust? The best way is you, you kind of, it's, it's a little bit of a leap of faith where you got to find the people that you decide to trust and then you stick with them. I think the hardest thing is that people will jump around. They will program hop yep. or they will influence or hop. And it's mm-hmm. like, the hard thing is you're going to find a lot of smart people with differing opinions, and that's okay. Even if some of those opinions might not be backed by science, and I'm a man of science, yeah. uh, a lot of things that like we don't know, we don't know. So just because it hasn't been validated by science doesn't mean that it doesn't work. What we do know is that like consistency and sustainability is what works. So if you're going to try something, you have to give it enough time. And enough time isn't four or eight weeks. It's mm-hmm. a year or yep. two years or longer. People always ask like, how'd you be healthier? How'd you do this? I'm like, well, I've been doing the same stuff for like 20 years. It yep. was, wasn't an overnight success. It's, it's no different than like when you think about your success within your career, which a lot of people can like very easily understand of like where they started to where they got and all the intermediate steps. And it was like, you know what? It was a journey. Very few people overcome or overnight become a success. And the same thing is with your health. You just need to find something and stick with it for long enough. And if it's not a good fit, you're going to know if the things that you are doing just don't feel sustainable. And it doesn't mean that it shouldn't has to feel easy. Change is hard. Change is difficult oh. for all of us. Yeah. Motivation comes and goes. Things are difficult. But there's a difference between like this is difficult versus like I'm never going to do this. If someone wanted me to go on a ketogenic diet, mm-hmm. whether you want to talk good or bad, I love carbs far too much. <laughs> right. I enjoy dessert. I enjoy pasta. I enjoy right. bread. I like protein, but like I enjoy that stuff too much yeah. that I know I could do it for a month or two. I'm never going to sustain it. So why am I going to do that to myself? Why am I going to put myself through right. the pain of doing something that I know is only designed to short-term because those short-term trades for long-term failures is why people get stuck. So the best approach is find the person or find the information that kind of speaks to you and give it enough time and anything that feels too restrictive or doesn't feel like mm-hmm. a good match for your personality or your lifestyle. Someone wants you to work out seven days a week. Who am I to say if it's right or wrong? But if you've got so many things and the idea right. of working three days a week seems like 
already difficult, don't pick the one that has you do seven because you know what? It's not to say you can never do it. You're just not going to do it right now and you're setting yourself up for failure. So pick the plan that feels like it's a good fit for you and then you can always build. We can grow. We can evolve. And that's the easiest way. I think we go for the bright, shiny object, the one that everyone seems to be doing, rather the one that feels like a good fit for us. So the name of the podcast is Your Best Life. And the main message I want to get across with this is that there's no one best life. I feel like Instagram might try to have us believe otherwise, you know, but um, I really want to talk about, you know, the different experiences that people have that led them to leading their best life. Um, Is there a particular experience or ideal that you hold that you feel has allowed you to live your best life? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to sound really sappy, but it's when I met who is now my wife, Rachel. (laughs) And what really helped is when she met me, I was very much a robot. So in a previous life, I was was fitness editor for men's health. I've written all these fitness books. I I did it for women's health for a while. And I I looked great physically, Mm -hmm. but I think I was very out of tune with the people that I was trying to help because I didn't have balance. I could work out two times per week. I didn't have kids like I have now. I didn't have multiple businesses like I had now. So it's like I could dedicate everything to fitness and it was easy for me. Like a lot of people struggle with fitness. Like it was easy for me to eat healthy foods. It was easy for me to work out. And while maybe I looked great or I could provide that knowledge because I have that science background, the ability to level with the people that I was trying to help, there was almost a gap. And when I met my wife, she really just made me more human and more cognizant of the battles and struggles that other people have that made me enjoy my life more, but honestly made me help people a lot more because I could get on their level. I could empathize where it was like we would go out and I wouldn't drink or I wouldn't have dessert. And it wasn't like having those things are bad in any way, but it was more like that was an association of health. And I think to truly, for me at least, to help people be their healthiest self or like live, live their best life, it's for them to understand how to navigate all the different aspects that come with life, which is like the desire to drink or have dessert or not always be perfect or be in control. And knowing how to do that means that you have to be able to do it some some extent to yourself. And she knows this. It's like being in that relationship made me much less of a robot and it made me enjoy my own life a lot more. And at that point, it really was pivotal. I was able to help a lot more people Mm. because I was able to get on their level. And it helped me see everything differently where I could still bring to them the type of information or advice that would allow them to be healthier, Mm -hmm. but not doing it in a way that I was saying that that wasn't sustainable. And that's the key. Like when you actually, balance means something different to every single person. Mm -hmm. Balance, Like sometimes balance is like, I'm going to go hard for eight weeks and take two weeks off. Sometimes it's an everyday thing, once a week thing. It's it's an overall balance. You have to determine what it is. But balance is really important because like anything that doesn't have that balance, will de- it's designed for burnout. It's designed for failure. And I think like finding that that best version of yourself was was understanding that you know even if you feel healthy, even if what you think is doing is you're doing is great or feels right, mm-hmm. it's not always. And sometimes it's the moments that challenge you or open up your eyes or realize you're not as great as you thought <laughs> it can be a humbling moment but like those are the moments that like that honestly like the obstacles the way like being aware of your weaknesses isn't a bad thing mm-hmm. being aware of your fears isn't a bad thing when you try and tuck those things away that's when they own you as opposed to owning them and being aware of them that's when you're gonna have the best breakthroughs 
Amazing. I love it. Um, well, can you let everyone know where they can find and follow you? Yeah, so you can find everything from a ladder standpoint at www.ladder.sport or uh, at Ladder Sport. And then for me personally, all the handles are Born Fitness. Amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you letting me pick your brain on all things supplements. Um, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Anna. <laughs> that was my conversation with Adam. We really dove into the supplement industry. There were so many nuggets of knowledge in that that I think is so important for consumers to know about because so many people just see things you know, being sold on a shelf. I love the fact that you guys addressed you don't need supplements right. to be successful in your fitness journey, right. right? You should get the majority of your nutrition from Whole Foods. Yeah, anyone that's telling you, hey, you need to take this supplement, I'm sorry. They're just trying to line their own pockets. You know, like literally you, you are not going to find the answer to your fitness problems in a bottle. It's just not going to happen. And I think that that is... What is so important about all the information in this episode is just being conscious of the fact that, you know, you need to look for a reputable company that has that NSF certification because that's the third party testing that unfortunately the FDA is not doing. And if you can find a company that has that, then you can trust that they have that their labels match what is actually in the product, that it is quality sourcing. And yeah, it's definitely, I wouldn't have a supplement that does not have that certification. And for those of you that do want more information about ladder products, uh, we will post information in the Facebook group when this episode goes live. And they also do have samples that you can buy. So I know a lot of times it's really hard if you have to spend 30, 50 bucks on one big tub and you don't know how your body's going to react to it. Just like Adam said, it's different for every person. So we will post that information for you in the Your Best Life podcast group. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and I can't wait to hear what you guys think. And that is it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to share it with a friend, spread the word and help us grow our tribe. Please rate and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes each week. You can also follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group, both under the same name, Your Best Life Podcast, to keep the conversation going. You can also send me an email at yourbestlifepodcast at gmail.com and you just might be featured in a future episode. Your Best Life is a Gallery Media Group original production.